is water baptism. A lot of people believe a lot of different things about water baptism. You go to a church and you talk about baptism. Typically, any, any, any church, for the most part, is going to teach some, some type of, of water baptism. It's just a matter of, well, what, what is the method? And is, does it matter? Is it for infants? Is it for adults? Both, neither. Is it for in the name of Jesus and the title is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Is it something that, that, that saves us? Or is it an outward sign of an inward faith? Is it more like joining the church? Uh, at what age are you baptized? And should you be sprinkled with water? Or should you be put underneath the water? Does it even matter? And so there are a lot of people who will teach and preach a lot of different things. Now, I'm not preaching from a United Pentecostal Church International perspective, which is an, the organization that this church is a part of, because organizations don't save us. Really, you join, you're part of an organization because, hey, we're a fellowship of believers and preachers, and, and so we join together to send global missionaries to other countries. And I just came from General Conference, and we have people voted on to make key decisions as an organization, organization where we're headed. And, and so I believe in organization. I think it's beautiful, but organization does not save us. And so I don't want to say, well, what, let's look at Methodist and Catholic and, and Baptist and Pentecostal. And No, let's just look at the Word of God. Let's look at Scripture and see what does Scripture say? Why is baptism important? What does it all mean? So today, a very simple title, Does Baptism Save? Does Baptism Save? Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for every man, woman, and child sitting here today, watching online, people who came last night. God, I'm grateful to be able to serve this Local body of believers, Lord, and their families, Jesus, thank you so much for the kind words said by Kevin and Michael and Rachel today, Lord, about the pastoral team, Lord. Lord, please bless this church for being such a blessing to our families, Jesus. And God, but right now, Lord, as we speak, as you speak through me, let every heart and mind be open because I believe something supernatural can take place in the course of some lives here today before we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, water baptism is an act of faith in Jesus Christ. One of the most profound decisions a believer can make is to submit to water baptism. This act of faith, it embraces the biblical commandment and it confirms the identity of, of with Jesus Christ. And so our identity with him. The act of baptism can be celebrated for what has been accomplished in a life that is being led by the Spirit of God. All spiritual experiences are based on faith. The writer of Hebrews in 11.6 says, without faith... It's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if I don't have faith, I can't please God without faith. Without faith, our repentance is mere confession. Our baptism is just dead works. That's why I don't try to get up and just get people excited today and open up these doors with the baptismal tank and just say, jump on in. Because if we're just like, whoa, I remember, I'll never forget, Bible college, we were traveling, I was part of the ministerial team, and this preacher was preaching, and he got so excited in his suit, preaching with the microphone, wah, wah, talking about water baptism, he just jumped over the wall and jumped into the water in his full suit. 
So if you ain't with me today, I might do something crazy, try and get you excited and get you with me, all right? So, but without faith, otherwise we just say, all right, okay, cool, clean, warm water. I want to see what it's like. I'm just going to jump on in. That's No, baptism is not just, otherwise you do that, you're going in a dry center, coming out a wet one. It's, it's not just... It's not, it's not just water and an experience, but when we come to God in faith and our repentance is effective, our baptism is cleansing, our new birth is a powerful redemptive act that results in God's spirit in our lives. And so 1 Peter 3.21, kind of deductive reasoning here, instead of moving toward the premise, I'm going I'm to state the obvious and then we're going to work backward. But I'll tell you right now, I'll answer the question of the title. Does baptism save? Scripture says right here. Peter writes it down, and he says, the water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. It cannot get any more clear than that. Baptism is not just joining, it's not joining a local church. It's not an outward sign of inward faith. Baptism actually is part of our salvation. It is what saves us. I'm not saying this. Organization's not saying this. Scripture says, baptism doth also now save us. So baptism is a key component of salvation. And it's not removing dirt from your body. If you're here going, wow, they got clean, warm water. I ain't bathed in a while. I think I'm going to jump in. That's gross. Go take a bath somewhere else, okay? That's not what this is here for. It's not removing dirt from the flesh. It is us saying, no, it's a response to God from a clean conscience. It's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus would have died on the cross and shed blood and got buried and stayed in the tomb, I don't think we have baptism. It's when he rose from the tomb, and that's when he defeated death and hell and the grave and Satan and the demonic realm and hell. He got up and said, no, 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 no. You thought you'd hold me down, but I'll tell you, I, I'm rising again, and I've defeated it all. And now, my name, I have power, okay, because of what I just did on Calvary, but I didn't just go to the cross. I came out of a tomb. And so, it's effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we can be baptized and have that name called over us. Baptism is part of salvation because of faith. Faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. And baptism was administered in the name of Jesus. Now, I know today, you know, you're supposed to just accept everyone else's opinions. And we all just are kind one to another. We should be kind one to another. But when someone says something that completely opposes the word of God, then we have to say, well, actually, I disagree with you there. Look at what scripture says here. And so, with all due respect to other denominations, there are people who teach and preach very clearly that baptism should be for any age. It should be administered in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, water sprinkled on heads. It doesn't matter what the name is, what the method is. I would beg to differ. I would say, well, when what we see in scripture is the opposite of what you're saying. And so, again, with all due respect, I got to look at the word and say, well, let's, let's take a look at what the Bible says. When it comes to baptism, baptism was performed in the name of Jesus Christ. After all, in our last passage in Peter, Peter says baptism saves us. So we see very clearly, he says it's a salvation thing. And he alone is the Savior. And his name is the only giving name, life-giving name. That's why Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no, no, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so 
There is a name that is associated with water baptism. There's a name that is associated with salvation. Back in the day, people used to talk to Pentecostals and say, you guys are Jesus-only people. I don't even know what that means, but I'm like, yeah, I guess I am, because without Jesus, I don't have salvation. Without Jesus, there's no cross, there's no tomb, there's no resurrection. Without Jesus, I can't have that name called over me in the waters of baptism. Without Jesus, my sins are not washed away. And John 20, 31 says, but all these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have power. How will you have power? You will have power by the power of his name. This is why you hear me say things like, oh, we pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I, pray, I command this sickness to leave in the name of Jesus. That's not like a Pentecostal tradition. Some that I just use filler words because I'm like, well, I didn't know what else to say. So that's kind of what I was taught. So I just repeat it aimlessly, mindlessly. I don't really think about what I'm saying. No, when I say in the name of Jesus Christ, when I baptize someone, I say in the name of Jesus. Christ. There's power in that name. And so we're given authority, the scripture says, by the power of his name. And so this is the only passage of scripture that can cause a little bit of confusion. Jesus is ascending into heaven. He's resurrected from the grave and he's ascending to heaven. He looks at his followers and he says, go ye therefore, Matthew 28, 19. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, right there, if you stop, this is the only verse that people say, see right there, you are mixed up. It says right there that we're supposed to baptize in the, in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But notice it says, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? The name is Jesus. That's why the disciples... They did not get confused. They didn't get, they, they weren't sitting there going, holy, holy, I thought you said something different. Wait a second, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. What, what's happening here? They didn't do that because he's ascending into heaven. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the very next verse says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Isn't it interesting that the concept of baptism and the concept of teaching went hand in hand? This is why my goal today is not just to get someone excited and jump in warm water. My, uh, my goal is I want someone sitting here to go, wow, okay, I see something in scriptures I've never seen before. I want to respond to that. I want to make a commitment to that. And I want the people that are here today that say, oh, I've already been, up. Oh, here we go. He's pre preaching another baptism message in the name of Jesus. I've already done this. I can check out and can go somewhere Somewhere else mentally, surf my phone, check my fantasy football team. You know, people can check out and do this stuff. No, 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 don't do that because I want you to be able to walk out of these doors. And when someone says to you, Why do you believe in baptism? Why do you put so much emphasis in baptism? Why do you baptize the way you do? Why, why does the method matter? Why does, why, why does the water matter? Why does the name matter? What is that? What we have to be able to look someone in the eye and say, I will tell you why. That's a great question. Let's look at scripture so that it's not just me versus you or my denomination versus yours. Let's look at the Word of God. And this is what the Bible says. So there should be teaching associated with water baptism. 
And he, so that they did not leave now and go, I'm confused. Peter, I, I, I'm, I'm a little, because didn't he tell us something different? And then James walks up and goes, no, I'm, I disagree. I think we need to baptize this way. And then Andrew comes up and says, no, I've been doing it a totally different way, guys. I think I'm going to go do my own thing. And Bartholomew says, uh, you guys do yours because I'm going to go ahead and do. No, the Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So God did not intend for there to be a whole bunch of different methods of baptism. Now, so what did they do? Well, they left that point, and we're going to read some scriptures here in a minute, where they walked off in the book of Acts, and Luke records baptism after baptism after baptism, all in the name of Jesus Christ. So for me, when I say I'm apostolic, that's not a denominational thing where I'm trying to like wrap my, I'm trying to associate just with a, a man-made religion. No, I, I, when I say I'm apostolic, I'm saying I adhere to the apostles' doctrine, to the apostles' teaching. And guess where we find that? In a book called the Acts of the Apostles. These are the people Jesus handpicked and trained, and then he sent them out. So I go, hmm, Acts is not just a historical book that records facts, figures, times, and places. Acts is a theological book where I say, these are the people Jesus trained. Let's look and see the way they did things. And they all did it the same way. They baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so for me... Guess how I'm going to baptize people here? Exactly the same way that we read about throughout the Bible in Scripture. And so the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is Jesus. And so all that point, the, the, the disciples knew water baptism would forever be important. Jesus lays out a timeline for them. Luke 26, 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. This is before he's ever been doing it, right? And so that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. I love that. And because he was getting them ready for the day of Pentecost, where it would start in Jerusalem, because that's what scripture says. It goes on, it says, beginning at Jerusalem, you're witnesses of these things because he says it, Jews you, it used to be for you salvation starts with you but one day just like the Old Testament prophets prophesied just like Joel talked about in Ezekiel and Isaiah and these prophets all he, Jesus comes up and says one day it's this this thing's gonna be for all nations and that's why Jesus long before there were issues of race and culture and all this all this stuff Jesus envisioned a multicultural multiracial church it was always his vision he said all nations and that's why I don't want to have a Hispanic church, African-American church, and a white church. No, my Lord, get us all together. I, I want to worship together. And you might dress different, talk different, do your hair different. Oh, that's wonderful because we're a multicultural, multiracial church. And that is the way Jesus envisioned it to be.
They personally would experience repentance, and, and it says remission of sins. What's remission of sins? It's water baptism in the name of Jesus. I want to see this gospel message preached to all nations, but I want it to start here in Liberty, Missouri. I was just at General Conference this last week, and they said that out of all of the countries in the world, the United Pentecostal Church International is in every single country except for 11 countries or provinces. There are 11 places. Now, I I say, my goodness, over 200 nations, and we're in every one but 11. That's wonderful. But on the flip side, there's an aching in my heart. And I know our organization, our global missions department, they're pushing and pressing to figure out ways to get into places because there are still 11 nations, whole countries or provinces that do not have a United Pentecostal Church presence that is preaching this same message that you're hearing today. On the day of Pentecost, Peter declared this spiritual outpouring there in Jerusalem. And he connected the outpouring of God's spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He connects it to the Old Testament prophet Joel's prophecy. And he preaches a message and he gets up and he starts talking about how Jesus had now died. And he rose again and he ascended into heaven. And he's commissioned them to go teach and reach a, a dying and a lost world. And, and so Peter's preaching a message because they had just gotten up in the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says on the day of Pentecost, was when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. They were gathered in one place, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And so people are walking by. These guys are drunk. What in the world? They're, oh, I hear them in my own language. This is crazy. And so a crowd starts gathering, asking them questions. And Peter stands up with the 11. What a sign of unity. And he stands up and he says, these aren't drunk like you suppose. It's the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So Peter makes a connection. He makes the connection that what is transpiring right now is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied in the Old Testament. And he starts preaching a message about Jesus Christ and, and about him being crucified. And he, God took on flesh and, and we put him to death on a cross, but he died and rose again. And, and the people, the Bible says, they were pricked in their heart. They started feeling something, much like maybe you sat in a church service before and, and you felt something in you that, oh, I got to change, I got to repent, I got to give, I got to serve, I got, you know, we, we feel that and we want to respond to that. And so Peter starts speaking these things and convictions rising in the crowd. And so one of the people say, what are we supposed to do with what you're saying? Because a lot of times God, his word will convict or rebuke or correct, but God will always leave you with hope. It does not matter how far you've gone, how much you've done. Every one of us have a different story, different failures. We sin differently. But we walk into a place and God's word will convict us and call us to change. Don't ever feel like he does not interest with me. When I was in Indianapolis, I walked up and a man, he was on the street, he was homeless, had just gotten out of prison and starts telling me the story of why he was in prison. 25 years in prison, he had just gotten out. And he had a job interview that Monday. And he looked at me, he said, he said, I, I said, you need to go to my, 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 my buddy, pastors a church a mile and a half from here. And I bought him a meal, and I walked him the meal, and we sat and talked. And I said, I said, you need to go to his church. He said, oh, brother. He said, man, my grandma was a Pentecostal lady. She, she said, I couldn't even say shoot in my house, and I think you shouldn't. But, but he started telling me these things and laughing. And I said, he said, my grandma was a Pentecostal lady. I said, well, then you know what your grandma believed, bro. You need to go check this church out. I'm telling you, God's got an answer for you. And he said, no, the thing. 
things that I've done, I don't think I deserve God's grace. And I said, you are absolutely right about that. You don't deserve God's grace. And neither do I. But that's what makes grace so beautiful. Is God... God's grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve God's grace. There's no human being, no matter how educated you are, how much money you have, how many, how many few sins you've done, no human being deserves the grace of God. We do nothing to earn salvation. But I, I just said to him, I said, gotta go check that church. I mean, God's, you put God first, and I promise you, he promises you, he'll take care of everything else. And that's the same for us today. Sometimes we start to think that we've gone too far. We've done too much. We haven't done enough. And we start to question whether God really loves us. He accepts us. Listen, you come to God. if you're, He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Water baptism, right? Of all unrighteousness. And so Jesus, uh, Peter preaches this message and, they, and they're asking him these questions. And Peter stands up in Acts 2.38 and he in kind of a centerpiece verse for apostolic Pentecostals because it's such a succinct answer to salvation. He says, I'll tell you what to do. Repent and be baptized. How? If it didn't matter, he would have said, just, just believe in a higher being or make sure you just do something with water. Water will cleanse you. It will wash you away. But see, that's not the case because if all we needed to do was sprinkle water, I could go ahead and take care of all of you today with just this. Okay, the whole congregation with just this. But John 3, uh, uh, John, the Bible says in John that, that he baptized at a place called Anan because there was much water there. Why does scripture give us such an intricate detail? Because the biblical method for baptism was immersion. You had to have a lot of water. The Greek word that's translated there, bapto, the, Greek, the root word, it means dip, immerse, plunge, that it, it was never, Matthew 3, 16, it says Jesus, when he was baptized, came straightway up out of the water. So if I'm a Christian, I'm Christ like Christ. I want to be like Christ. Christ was baptized by immersion. And so the, the immersion, the sprinkling of the water, never one time. It never happens. Not, not a single time in Scripture. Neither can you find that confusing verse, Matthew 8, 28, 19. There, there you go. See, it says right there. Just show me one time, anywhere in Scripture, one time that someone's baptized in the Titus Fellowship of the Holy Ghost. It's not there. Not a single time. Because they knew what the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were. And so Peter stands up and doesn't say, just get baptized. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So to me, it's not like a religion or a denomination against another one. No, I just want to align with Scripture. And the Scripture saying, hey, he says, what should we do? I need to repent. I need to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to give me his spirit just like, because they were. that's initially what started the conversation. The, the group gathered because they were speaking in tongues. And they're like, what is going on? That's what started the conversation. Peter says, you, you want to know what to do? You repent. You get baptized in his name. And then guess what? What just happened to us that you're seeing transpire, he'll give it to you too. He's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. 
Praise God. And so, just like the book of Acts, baptism saves us. And now Peter says, he, he wrote in another place, baptism saves us. Now he kind of lines out what water baptism, what we need to do to respond. All who were baptized in the New Testament church were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not only did Peter see it here, but look in Acts 8, 12, when they believed Philip preaching these things. Now we got Philip preaching. What message is Philip preaching? And he says, the preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So here, Philip, Philip's up, he's preaching, guess the way he's doing it? Same exact way, he's baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. You go to other variations, Acts 8, 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some people got the Holy Ghost first, and then they got baptized. Some got baptized, and then got the Holy Ghost. It, 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 it didn't matter. What matters is first is repentance. First is us coming to God. God, forgive me. I want to live different. I want to do something different. Lord, please wash me in your blood. Just forgive me, God. And then some get baptized. Some get the Holy Ghost. Then some get the Holy Ghost. Some get baptized. It doesn't matter the order. So Paul... We see the way Peter preaches. We see the way Philip preaches. What about Paul? Paul in Acts 19, it came to pass why Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Because a lot of people say you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the minute you believe. If that's the case, then he just asked the stupidest question in the history of humankind. You don't receive the Holy Ghost the minute you believe. There's a response. There's a sign that that Spirit's now indwelling, and God gave us that sign. It's called speaking in other tongues. Wow, that sounds strange. That's fine. It sounded strange to them at first, too. And so they're like, we haven't even heard about this, and, and we don't even know about this Holy Ghost. He said, well, it sounds like you were baptized. Unto whose baptism were you baptized unto? And they probably proudly said, oh, great question. I was actually John the Baptist. John. John baptized me. Yes, yes, I was baptized personally by, by John. And Paul says, well, I'll tell you what, John barely baptized. It was a good baptism for its time. He, ba he baptized unto repentance, mean, meaning I'm going to put you in this water, and there's a mindset change. There's a turning away. There's, a, there's an intentional decision that's being made. But there wasn't a name yet. Because John preceded Jesus. John is Jesus' cousin. And so Jesus comes along and John introduces, oh, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world in John 1, And so John's the one that introduces Jesus. And Jesus steps onto this public scene. And then eventually John dies. And then Jesus dies on the cross. And so Paul is now saying, hey, that was a great baptism for its time, but there's another one that came after you, and that is Christ Jesus. Now we got a name. Now it wasn't just a mindset issue of stepping in the water. Now when you step in the water, there's actually a powerful name that defeated death, hell, and the grave, and your sins can actually be completely washed away. Jesus paid a price. John's baptism was valid, and it helped in that moment to get a ready. There was Jesus, there's always a forerunner, you see. Jesus, he always had a he always had a plan. He'd get things ready. And so he says, just like the, he says there's signs of the end times and he's coming back. There's always something that he's speaking to us to get us ready for what's coming next. Pay attention. And so he says, I'll tell you what, Jesus, there's a name now and there's salvation now. When they heard this, people who were already baptized once. Got re-baptized. 
in this new way. Now, if you're here, so I was baptized as an infant. I was baptized until the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I was baptized when they sprinkled me. I was baptized in these. Notice Paul does not speak derogatory of a previous baptism. Your baptism, I believe that you or your family had good intentions and that you're like, hey, we love God. Don't question my relationship with God. Nobody is questioning your relationship with God. But these people were walking and had a new revelation when Paul steps up and says, no, that was a that was a good baptism, but there's something that more that God has. That's a baptism that was a mindset and an intention, but now there's actually a name. A Savior died on a cross, shed his blood, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven. That Savior wants his name over your life, and I can baptize you right now by immersion in the name of of Jesus Christ. They said, I want that. I want that. So if you're here today, before you say, I was just baptized another way. If you were not baptized by what we're reading about here in the Bible, what an incredible day that it can be for you today before you leave. Because there is clean, warm water, clothes to change into, and you can step down into that water after repentance, and you can have me say, in the name of Jesus Christ. I baptize you for the remission of those sins, just like they did throughout the book of Acts. They're re-baptized. And then you see, you're, are, you re, are you eligible to be re-baptized? Absolutely. Look at Acts 10, 44 to 48. While Peter yet spoke these words. Here pre Peter's preaching again. This guy that was running around and, 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 and running off because people said, you know the man? I don't know the man. And, and denying the Lord and wouldn't stick around when he's getting crucified. He's on trial and he's running and hiding and fearing and fretting. Well, now he's got the Holy Ghost. The guy's standing up in big old groups and preaching and he's got boldness. And says, Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believe were astonished. They of the circumcision, those are the, those are the Jewish people. They're going, well, I thought this was for us. And they're, they're, they're hanging out with Peter. And Peter starts preaching. God's power and presence is so strong that people start receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. They start speaking in tongues. They're like, man, that, I thought this was just for us. It started in an upper room. I thought we were the people of God. But remember, Joel said all nations. And, and, and Jesus prophesied one day... All nations are going to receive this. It's going to start in Jerusalem, but this is a global thing that I have planned. It's not limited to one group of people, not one sect, not one nation, not one skin color. No, I got this, I got this for everybody. And so they're standing there going, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm, I'm shocked by this. They're, they're speaking in tongues just like we spoke in tongues. And, and Peter, because the Gentiles, they're speaking in tongues. That, that's how they knew they got the Spirit, by the way. It says in verse 46. And he says in verse 47, he looks at the group and says, well... Can anybody here today forbid water to get them baptized too? Because now they got the Holy Ghost just like we do. And no doubt that there were some people that were there that probably were not a huge fan of that. They're like, well, start baptizing Gentiles. Man. But what am I going to say? They're standing there saying, I believe in this case, it absolutely needed to happen in this order. Because if they started trying to baptize before the outpouring of the Spirit, I don't think the Jews would have been cool with it. But now they're watching the supernatural demonstration of a group of Gentiles speaking in tongues, just like they spoke in tongues. And so now they're going, well, I can't really argue with it. They're speaking in tongues. Peter's like, hey, what do you guys think? I think we need to baptize them. They're speaking in tongues just like we spoke in tongues. So I don't think we got much of an argument left. Let's go ahead and get them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to know today that I'm glad you're clapping because one minister said this. He said, you want to know the condition of your church? You want to know if you're pastor of a revival church, people that are hungry for God? He said, go ahead and preach the plan of salvation to people who already followed the plan of salvation and see if it still excites them. I hope we still got some excitement in here. Because to me, I'll tell you what, when I got up last night and I started to preach to a smaller group of people, my wife said, you could tell you're excited. I said, I know, because every single time I start to talk about the fact that Jesus, God roped himself in flesh, died on a cross, rose from a grave. He invited me to be a part of that plan. I was a sinner. I've made mistakes. But he said, come to an altar. Pray. Repent of your sins. I will wash them away. Then I'll put my spirit inside you to not only get you to heaven, but to walk a daily overcoming life. You better believe that excites me. You better believe that there will never be a day that comes in my life where I stop getting excited about that. I was filled with the Holy Ghost as a seven-year-old boy, but not a day goes by that I still don't think about the fact I'm not deserving. I'm not worthy, but God, thank you for loving me enough to pay the price. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Acts twenty two sixteen, he says, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Maybe I'm talking to somebody today. Maybe I'm talking to somebody online. You might not even live in liberty. If you don't live in liberty, my Lord, I might be speaking to someone across the world right now. If you don't live in liberty and you say, well, this message, something's pricking my heart just like it did in the book of Acts chapter 2. I'm telling you, email us at info at refugechurchonline.com. Info at refugechurchonline.com. And I promise you, I will find you wherever you you are, I will get you connected to someone in your area who believes this, who will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't have to just have baptisms in this building. Let this ministry reach around the world right now. Share it with friends. Share it with people who you've talked to about baptism. Why? Because there's answers in the Bible. And so if you're here today, you can look at this and he says, arise, do I tarry us thou? There's certain things that we sit there and we go, well, I need to pray about this. I need to think about this. It's crystal clear in scripture. God's got a plan for salvation. Baptism is a part of salvation. He wants to baptize people in immersion, by immersion in water. He wants the name of Jesus called over them. If you're here today and you have not followed that, why in the world would you wait? Go ahead, repent of your sins. We can baptize you now. The only way you wait is if you're not willing to make that commitment, that covenant, because that's so important. It's so interesting on Wednesday night. By the way, when I get excited, I talk really fast. I'm trying to slow down. I used to teach Purpose Institute, and people would be like, I can't even keep up with you. I can't take notes. And I'm like, I just get excited, and I get talking. Started. <laughs> Praise God. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Wednesday night, I'm preaching on understanding covenants. Now, this is interesting because today's message is focused on water baptism. But you can't talk about water baptism without touching on covenant. Wednesday night, the whole message is on covenant. It's not on water baptism, but you can't touch on covenant without touching on Water baptism. So these really, th I think God's really trying to speak to some people here today. Maybe you've been baptized and you can't really even explain why. It's very important that you get this. You got to know what you believe and why you believe it. I don't want to just know the what. Well, the what is we do this, 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 and this. Why? Uh, that's what they preach and teach. So I follow. No, no, no. Know the why. Know why. 
And if you don't understand the why, then speak with one of the ministers you just saw up here. Anybody. We are not afraid of questions. Questions are great. I want to make sure that you understand why you believe what you do. And so, and so, um, yeah, so I can't even remember what I was going to say there. <laughs> but arise and be baptized. So if you're here today and you're saying, well, I got to think about this. I look at that scripture. I say, why wait? There were no, there were no delayed baptisms in the book of Acts. New Testament, read through the New Testament. There were no I understand why people do it. Not knocking it. It sounds like I'm knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I know why people do baptism Sundays. It's a push to connect with community. It's an outreach tool. Great. I'm not against those. But there are no baptism Sundays in Scripture. I toured one church where they said, we do baptisms one time quarterly. We bring in a pool, and we, once a quarter, we baptize people all at one time. You sign up. So if I feel Jesus, I sign my name on a paper, and it might be three months from now that I get to get baptized. Okay? It's not the way we do things. Guess what? Today's Baptism Sunday. Next week is Baptism Sunday. The week after that is Baptism Sunday. <laughs> this Wednesday is Baptism Wednesday. <clears throat> if you call me tomorrow morning, it's Baptism Monday. If you want to get together on Thursday night, it's Baptism Thursday. Because the way they preached it is people saw it. And just like when the, he went to the eunuch on the chariot, he starts, well, do you understand what you're reading? He says, well, I'm just reading about Jesus. He says, I'm reading about the, the lamb that was done before the shears. And he goes, let me talk to you about this man named Jesus. And before you know it, the next verse, he says, there's water. What's keeping me from getting baptized? He said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is? Oh, yeah. Then let's go down. And notice the scripture in Acts 8. It says, they both went down into the water. Now, why would you need to do that if you had a bottle of water? Why don't you just go like that to somebody? No, they had to go down into the water because the biblical method is immersion. And it's in the name of Jesus. So if you're here today, arise. Why tarriest thou? You can be baptized before you leave today. Why? Because baptism is essential to the new birth experience. Jesus said the same thing when he spoke to Nicodemus. John 3, 5, he says, Except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, then I don't care what denomination, what religion you are. If you believe in the Bible, then you can read this and say, well, then I know for a fact we need the water and we need the spirit or I can't go to heaven. Because it says, if I'm not born of the water and spirit, I can't enter the kingdom. So if I'm a Bible believer, no matter what denomination, you can agree with that. Where the arguments and the discussions come in is what is the water and what is the spirit. But scripture goes on to make that clear. You read about the variations in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's so funny because sometimes they're like, well, look at this instance. They did not specify that they spoke in tongues. It's like if you were to send a text to someone. You're just like, hey, I had a great day. And would you, oh, oh, I had this for dinner, blah, blah, blah. And then you start texting back. And your next text, before you add more information, you're like, oh, by the way, I had this for dinner. And I said, after like the fourth text, you'd be like, dude. What is wrong with you? Why do you keep texting me the same thing? You need to chill. I ain't interested in all the... 
I say this because when Jesus says, when, when he lays it out and they say, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus, Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Oh, they got the gift of the Holy Ghost in the book, beginning of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So from that point, there's certain times where they say, and they got together and they, and they received the Spirit. And they got together and they were baptized. They, there's no need when you've already addressed it six other places in the book to keep saying, oh, and by the way, that one too was in the name of Jesus. Oh, that one too, they spoke in tongues. That's how they got the Holy Ghost. Oh, that one too. No, when you're writing, it was, this is the way the apostles got it. Look at the way Philip preached it. Look at the way Paul preached it. Look at the way Peter preached it. And it just continued that way. I don't have to keep sharing all the details over every single instance that happens. When he says they received the Spirit, well, you can, it's, it's a safe assumption to say, well, it's probably the same when they talk talked about in Acts 2, 1 through 4, in Acts 2, 38, in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 19. So I'm pretty safe to make the assumption that it's probably all the same thing because nothing has been spoken that's anything different. So sometimes you just got to use logic. But then people will say, well, you mean to tell me that you can take salvation in your own hands and by jumping in this water, there's magical water. By the way, this is not holy water. It's tap water, hard city water of liberty. It's got chlorine in it. We test the water levels. We check the pH levels. There's nothing holy about the faucet. When you die, I'm not going to shake that water on your coffin. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing holy about it. But... Like Peter said, it's the answer of a good conscience when you say, what does that water represent when I respond in faith and I repent of my sins and now I step into that water? Now what happens? Oh, wow. Now Jesus is willing to honor that and saying, you call my name over your life. You repented over your sins. Watch me wash them away. And when, and when you come up out of that water, typically your nose is the first thing to hit. My nose hits earlier, it's bigger, but when you hit that water, the minute I come up out of that water, I am now a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away, everything's become new, but I didn't earn that salvation. Well, you said you have to be baptized. Yes, but there's a three steps, grace, faith, and obedience. Without God's grace, without him dying on a cross, making this plan known to us, we're hopeless. There's nothing, we, there's nothing we can do. We're hopeless. But he says, I took on flesh. I died on the cross. Here's my plan. Here's what's going to happen if you follow it. Here's what's going to happen if you don't. That's grace. He lets us know. Now my faith says, eh, I don't believe it so much. Or my faith says, I believe you, God. Yes. Some people will say, all you need to do is believe and you're saved. But again, I don't see that scripture. I don't see that in scripture. Faith naturally leads to obedience. And so if I believe something, then I am going to commit to that. And so I believe that and I say, okay, in faith I am responding, but now I'm willing to actually obey and do something with my faith. Me getting in the water, my act, myself did not save me, but it's the response of me to God's grace that when I stepped into the water, I'm taking on that wonderful, beautiful name, and now it's part of salvation as my sins are washed away and I'm a new creature in Christ. 
And so this is required. So practical obedience to the commandment for baptism is fulfilled whenever the believer repents of sins, steps into the water, is submerged in that water, immersed, which is the meaning of bapto itself, and then their sins are washed away in the name of Jesus Christ. This is not just joining a church, an outward sign of inward faith. It is a commitment, a covenant. I'm going to talk about this more with covenant on Wednesday. And that's what I was rigging ready to say when I forgot what I was saying. Is when my wife stood up here and I said, do you take Gary to be your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold for riches and or for poor, which always makes me laugh. Who wouldn't gets married at 19, 20, 24, 25 and has worldly riches? I mean, like, not many. I certainly did it. And so do you take him to be your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold in sickness and in health for richer, for poor, till death do you part? And we took covenants. And then... I got to kiss the bride, which was awesome and awkward at the same time. It's always weird. You kiss your future wife in front of your father-in-law, and you're like, But then he says, I now pronounce, let me introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Gary Dornbach. What a beautiful thing. My bride took on my name. When do you become the bride of Christ? You come to an altar and make a covenant in repentance. It's a commitment. It's not just jumping in water. God, I want to live my life for you. I'm not going to be perfect. Just like I haven't been perfect to her. Don't say amen. Just like I haven't been perfect to her. But we made commitments, covenants. She took on my name. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm not going to be perfect, but I, I want to love you the rest of my life. I want to I live for you. I want to serve you. There ain't no certain prayer to pray. You know what the sinner's prayer is? Whatever you want to pray that you talk to God. God, I'm sorry. And now I'm ready to go up to an altar. Interesting. Just like we went up to an altar. And I'm ready to step into water. And I'm ready to become your bride. When do I become your bride, the bride of Christ? When I take on your name. In the waters of baptism. It's, thank you, Jesus. And I, I need to wrap up here. But see, baptism is a sacrament of celebration. It's a time where we say, yeah, he paid the price. He died. He rose again. I want to have that too. I, I, we don't, just like that, we don't baptize somebody. Imagine if you went to a, imagine if you went to a, to a, a graveside memorial for someone. And they were all around. They said, okay, here's the scripture. And everybody prayed. And there's the widow. And people are weeping. And then somebody takes a shovel. And just goes like this with two piles of dirt. And it just kind of hits on top of the coffin and falls off. And they're like, that'll conclude today's ceremony. And you walked off. There'd be some people standing behind me like, man, you better get back here. You can't leave a coffin sit on top of the ground. That ain't buried. What's wrong with you people? Because buried is put in the ground, covered up. Romans 6, 3 through 4, is he says, no, you're not. So many of us were baptized. Talking about baptism again, Paul is. He says, we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. How were we, how were we baptized into his death? Verse 4 tells us. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Because when I'm baptized, I took on his name. I walk in newness of life. I'm a new creature. But notice, how does baptism, we even find a method of baptism right there. We're buried with him in baptism. If I take water and go like that, that's not burying you in baptism. Burying 
It's just like that coffin going in the ground and the dirt covers it up. You don't just throw some dirt on there and walk off. Buried with him in baptism, put underneath the water. And now I don't stay there, though, because just like he was buried, he resurrected and rose again and has an eternal life. You can have an eternal life, too. You're not staying in the water. You're coming up out of the water, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Church, in Romans 6, 8 to 11, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and now alive through Christ Jesus. This is why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you stand to your feet? So I'll tell you, church, as we close this out, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. He made everything possible. He, he made repentance possible. Water baptism in the name of Jesus. Washing away of sins. Spirit infilling. Living and overcoming life. Eternity with him instead of separated from him. His grace is extended to people. Not because of anything that we did, but because of what he did. That doesn't mean that I'm automatically saved. He made a way. He opened a door. That's why John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It does not say people cannot perish. Should not perish. Meaning, because the price he paid on Calvary, there's not a human being in the world who should perish. But the blood was shed, but it needs to be applied. And it is applied when we respond in faith and obedience. And what is that obedience? He says, repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And then I'm going to put my spirit inside you and even give you a sign that it's there. You're going to speak with other tongues. If you're here and you haven't responded in one of those ways, what a wonderful day to come to an altar. And if you say, well, I don't know what to do, just come find me, one of the ministers. We will help and we'll say, hey, this is what we do. We'll pray. And it's not repeat after me, pray this prayer. It's something far more supernatural and powerful than that. And God's got that plan for you today. And if you're here and you say, I've already followed all that, then maybe it's time to find a place and begin to intercede for your community because there are people all over Liberty and beyond in global missions across overseas that they don't even realize that there's a Savior who took on flesh, who paid the price, shed blood, died on a cross, rose from a grave, and then he's actually interested in them and having a relationship with them and washing away their sins and filling them with his spirit there are so many people who are longing to know that they have hope for eternity and you've got that so maybe it's time if you so already follow that to begin to find a place to pray and say God I want to intercede for people friends and family members neighbors and co-workers open doors for me to share this incredible message of hope that I could share with someone and tell someone about his amazing plan that he has for them 
Thank you, Jesus, Lord. Oh, God help us. Oh, it's Baptism Sunday here. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name by immersion for the remission of your sins, it's Baptism Sunday today. Thank you, Lord.